Under the Golden Dome is supported by the Iowa Bankers Association and by Cultivating Compassion, the Dr. Richard Deming Foundation, fostering causes that enrich the community, generate understanding, and cultivate compassion, including above and beyond cancer. From Iowa Public Radio News, this is the legislative podcast, Under the Golden Dome. I'm John Pimble. Most bills in the House and Senate pass with bipartisan support. This was a collaborative effort. We had a lot of folks working on this. Republican Representative Mike Sexton floor manages a bill allowing easier home delivery of alcoholic beverages. Uh, We were doing Zoom calls with people in California and all over the place in order to make sure we got this right. Because when when we're talking about delivery of alcohol in the state of Iowa, uh, whether it's employees of a permittee or whether it's a third party, it's serious and we took it serious. We took our responsibility seriously to make sure we got this right. Right now, home delivery of alcoholic beverages is only allowed by an employee of a business with a liquor license using a vehicle from that business. In the last year, home delivery of groceries has increased, and depending on the store, it may be delivered using a third party. If so, a customer cannot add a six-pack of beer or a bottle of wine to the order. Democratic Representative Jennifer Confirst supports this bill that allows a third party to deliver alcohol. I also wanted to compliment some of the third-party delivery services that actually have um, systems built in place to make sure that the alcohol is being delivered safely into the appropriate aged people. The current law concerning delivery conditions will remain in place, like delivery times are limited to Monday through Saturday, 6 a.m. to 10 p.m., and on Sunday, 8 a.m. to 10 p.m. Valid proof of the recipient's age and their signature is a condition of delivery. The delivery shall not be allowed if a person shows up to a house and it appears the recipient is intoxicated. I'm grateful to everyone who was involved to make sure that this is easy as possible um, and that people are protected. This bill will place more responsibility and accountability on the person making the delivery, whether they work for the liquor license holder or a third-party service. For example, if a person making the delivery for a grocery store commits a violation, the grocery store won't be penalized unless there is another delivery violation within two years. Representative Sexton says this language was crafted with the help from lobbyists, or as they are also called, the third chamber. With with the work of the uh, the third chamber, um, we've we've I think we've established uh, a a good uh, amendment that uh, allows some immunity to the permittee, so that if um, the third party delivery does do something wrong. Um, it won't reflect and have an impact on the, on the permittee. I appreciate Representative Sexton working with me on this and ensuring that our concerns as a restaurant association and restaurants um, were attended to. Representative Shannon Lundgren says the restaurant industry and the Iowa Alcoholic Beverages Division were also involved with this legislation. Last year, a bill was signed into law allowing bars and restaurants to sell mixed drinks to go, making Iowa the first state, allowing a person to do something like go to a restaurant and order a margarita and take it home. This bill doesn't allow delivery services to do that, but expanding home delivery of beer, wine, and liquor did catch the attention of the restaurant industry. Uh, Uber was excellent to work with and gave us some great suggestions. I know we have a few other things to address, not right here today in this bill, uh, but just going forward in the future. And again, I just appreciate the uh, collaboration we had on this. Companies like Uber already offer delivery services, and under this bill, 
the company will be able to deliver alcohol. Representative Sexton says this bill came about because of the pandemic, but it will also be of benefit in the future. You know, we're working through the end of COVID, I, I hope. Um, but this is one of those little things we can do if it helps people, you know, from staying out of a grocery store um, and, we can, and it helps with, with an employee shortage that we have in the state of Iowa. It, these are some of the little things we do that I think we make life better for Iowans. Um, and that, and that's the, ultimately, that's the reason we're here. This bill passes 88 to 3. The Senate has also passed a similar bill out of its committee, and this is eligible for debate in that chamber. Another bill that has bipartisan support is one about broadband access in parts of Iowa that have limited high-speed Internet. It passed unanimously in the House. It also has the support of both parties as it is debated in the Senate. Whether you're working from home in your daily lives, the pandemic has local manufacturers, a student in high school, at home, on a farm. We notice that this pandemic has shown us that this is simply a needed advance that we, knew, that we need in technology. Republican Senator Kerry Kelker floor manages a bill that would allow Internet service providers to apply for grants to improve Internet bandwidth. One third of our counties are broadband deserts, second lowest broadband speed in the country, and one of the five Iowans lack the bandwidth required for video chats. We can do better than that. We're in Iowa. Broadband is not, no longer a luxury. It's critical for our infrastructure. This is a proposal from the governor, who has requested $450 million over three years to be made available for these grants. Democratic Senator Janet Peterson says she agrees the state should have a bill like this to improve Internet access. Peterson compares Internet service to a utility like electricity and proposes an amendment that would offer assistance to low-income Iowans. We have hundreds of Iowans on fixed incomes and Iowans who are working poverty wage jobs. And what this amendment does, it asks that the department, as they're putting the grant program together, if you apply for the millions and millions of dollars that I believe will be funneled through this program, if you receive money from the state taxpayer dollars, that you will also be required with guidelines put out by the department um, to have a program for low-income um, Iowans to be able to afford to actually get the broadband in their homes. Peterson compares her amendment to the Low-Income Home Energy Assistance Program. Senator Kelker urges her fellow senators to vote against this amendment. It would require low-income rates to be established. And to me, that's a hidden tax on those that are currently paying for it. This would also require OCIO to be rate regulated, and we are not regulating rates for tel telco services in this broadband um, amendment or the bill. The OCIO, or the Office of the Chief Information Officer, would be administering these grants. How much a telecommunications company would receive is based on the speed of the Internet currently available in a market. The lower the service, the higher the grant. Democratic Senator Joel Bolcom supports the Peterson Amendment and says even in larger districts like his, which includes Johnson County, there are many areas where the Internet is slow. This is free money. I know that you guys are against socialism, but this is on the border, okay? Taking money from these people and giving it to these people. And the other issue in my community is affordability, you know, what's, what's your internet costing? $60, 70 $80 a month to have internet service? 
there's a heck of a lot of people in our, all our districts that simply can't afford it. And that's, that's the market failure we have. We're not going to see these companies invest in more high-speed Internet if they can't charge customers the, going, you know, the cost of putting it there. So the government is coming in to save the day, just like we did with rural electrification, just like we did when we, everybody thought they needed a phone, and now here we are with high-speed Internet. The Peterson Amendment is voted down. Senator Kelker says in her closing remarks, there is more room for the legislature to improve Internet access across the state, and this bill is a start. Why does Iowa need better broadband? We all know. We're sitting here in this room. We know that we need to enrich education. We need world-class health care. We need improved public services and safety. And we need to be able to telework. This is the type of policy that we need to be a pro-business state. This is going to help both large and small businesses grow, increase accessible ability to education, and ultimately further Iowa's position as a place for quality of life. The bill passes out of the Senate unanimously. It's now enrolled and on the way to Governor Reynolds for her consideration. There is no funding attached to this proposal. It serves as a framework for funding that will come from another piece of legislation. This is the weekly legislative podcast, Under the Golden Dome. I'm John Pimble. A good civics lesson teaches you how to be an engaged citizen, and listening to Under the Golden Dome helps you be an engaged Iowan. When you become a member of Iowa Public Radio, you support coverage that keeps you engaged and informed. Give now at iowapublicradio.org slash donate. It takes just a few minutes to make a powerful impact. Under the Golden Dome is supported by Cultivating Compassion, the Dr. Richard Deming Foundation, and by the Iowa Bankers Association. Small businesses are the backbone of Iowa communities, and they're backed by Iowa banks. See how banks are helping small businesses see a stronger tomorrow at iowabankers.com. Budget bills are beginning to come out of committees. One of those bills is the Administration and Regulation Appropriation. It determines the funding for about two dozen departments. This includes the Secretary of State, State Auditor, and Department of Revenue. For the last four years, the Admin and Reg works with a budget of around $100 million. But for fiscal year 2022, this proposal is double that amount. The Admin and Reg's budget this year... Uh, will appropriate $150,896,943. And additionally, it appropriates $58.3 million, which comes from various other funds that are not general funds. Republican Representative John Landon is the chair of the Admin and Reg Appropriations Subcommittee. Landon says this large increase is due to one thing. So what's the big deal in our budget? Uh, This year, the broadband expansion money is in this budget. There's $100 million uh, for the OCIO to use for broadband grants. Remember that broadband bill the House and Senate passed but required a separate bill to fund it? Well, this is that funding. It's $50 million less than the governor requested. For most departments, Landon says there will be no increases, but there are some exceptions, most notably a $1.5 million increase for the Iowa Department of Administrative Services, also called DAS. Uh, DAS has asked for a $221,291 
adjustment for their utility costs in a shortfall for the capital complex. This is largely to cover the utility costs for the capital building. Landon says every year the department is short by a quarter million dollars due to the rising costs of utilities. We've chosen to use that money as a prepayment on utility costs to try and get ahead of these surcharges And I'm hoping that this will carry us through the next two or three years of their extra costs that they have over there. Uh, um, I I think that uh, by tying this language strictly to utility costs and asking that it not revert back to the general fund, but that it stay with DAS uh, for payment of those utility costs will serve the legislature and the citizens of Iowa well in the coming years as uh, we expect those utility costs to continue to rise. That puts the total allocation for the Department of Administrative Services at $9.4 million for next year. Another department getting an increase is the Secretary of State, a department that was cut by $250,000 last year. The Secretary of State last year in the budget, uh, the Senate uh, uh, reduced their funding $250,000 and uh, with his cost of, of keeping securely an election uh, voter roll and backing up that system and other costs, uh, I'm, I'm uh, reappropriating that $250,000 that was cut last year from the Secretary of State. That puts the Secretary of State's department to $3.5 million for next year, which is the same level they operated with in fiscal year 2020. There are other House appropriation bills coming out this week as well. Speaking for the Department of Agriculture and Natural Resources Appropriation is Republican Representative Norlin Momsen. In the DNR, we have a new appropriation of a million dollars for parks, repairs, maintenance, and operations. There is also an increase planned for a bill that has not passed in the House or Senate. There is a creation of a contingent $11 million standing appropriation of general fund money for the Renewable Fuels Infrastructure Program. This is funding attached to a controversial bill that would require gas stations to sell more biofuels like ethanol and biodiesel made from corn and soybeans. The agriculture industry supports this, but fuel stations oppose it. It requires more pumps to offer fuel containing a higher percentage of ethanol or biodiesel over time. For many rural stations, they will have to install new equipment like storage containers, fuel lines, and pumps. This appropriations bill offers some funding assistance for that. Democratic Representative Chris Hall asks Representative Momsen about this increase. Just looking at your budget overall, I think that it's a an increase of $13.5 million over what it was the previous year. And... Looking at it, I believe 11 of the 13.5 million new dollars, 11 of those are allocated to the Renewable Fuels Infrastructure Program that we're still kind of gauging whether it will uh, be agreed to by both chambers. Is that accurate? Uh, that is correct. My understanding is what, what that final number will end up on the, how those bills turn out uh, in the legislature. So there is some potential for that $11 million number to adjust one way or the other? Correct. Okay. Um, Thank you very much. That's a point just for my own sake. You know, $13.5 million uh, in new funding to this budget, I think, has the potential to be a good sign that we're really investing in state resources, water quality initiatives, state parks, et cetera. Um, 
you know, the renewable fuels infrastructure program, obviously there's a high level of interest on both chambers and both sides of the aisle with that program, but it seems like a large designation of funds uh, considering the overall amount of new dollars that are putting being put into this budget. And that's just an observation of my own. Over at the Education Appropriations Subcommittee, Republican Representative David Kerr presents a large funding bill. For year 2022, the Education Appropriations Bill appropriates $970,357,588. It's an increase of $22 million. $10 million is for Future Ready Iowa Last Dollar Scholarship. The Department of the Blind will receive half a million more. But there is one area notably receiving a 0% increase. That's state universities. This is brought up by Democratic Representative Sue Cahill. That number of 0% for the regents um, really stood out to me. Our regents had requested um, some backfill from previous cuts from last year. Earlier in the session, the regents' university presidents came to this subcommittee to present their budget proposal. They requested an increase of $26 million. $8 million of that was to restore money removed from their budget from the previous fiscal year. Representative Cahill asks Representative Kerr questions about the lack of an increase. I, my, my main question is, what is the goal of this 0% increase? Um, what do you see as the result of this? And, and maybe what will this um, tuition freeze cost the regions? Uh, the main response I can give you is, is uh, we looked at the COVID relief funding that they've received. And if you look at uh, the three, the four, they're going to be, they've given three relief, COVID relief funds have been received. And the next one is the American Rescue Plan. And it uh, totals up, well, uh, Iowa State can receive a little over $57 million. Uh, University of Iowa, uh, right at $45 million. And the University of Northern Iowa, uh, just a shade over $21 million. And we realize that some of this is going back to the students, but we've, we also realize that uh, under this, you can really gain lost revenue and it'd be flexible with your uh, fund, how this is spent. So we, fig- we thought that this would work a 0% increase and let them use those monies. Kerr says with enrollment decreasing at these universities, they should receive less state funding. You combine that, but the, the requests keep going up, but the students keep going down. So that's uh, took part of the decision. Uh, and then when you look at regents employees and uh, add that in, there's approximately 750 a year added. So we figure that should eat. Why, why are we adding more employees when the uh, student population is going down? The one budget appropriation that got the most attention this week is the Justice Systems Budget. This includes the Department of Corrections. Surrounding this discussion is the death of two staffers at the Anamosa State Penitentiary. Two weeks ago, two inmates were accused of beating two staffers to death with hammers while trying to escape the prison. A leader of the Union for the Penitentiary Employees says worker safety was compromised due to inadequate staffing and funding over the last few years from the Republican-controlled legislature. Earlier this week on the House floor, 
A Democratic legislator went as far as saying, there is blood on the hands of Republicans. This week, during the Justice Systems House Appropriations Committee meeting, Republican Representative Gary Worthen presents an increase for the Department of Corrections. Department of Corrections, uh, that increase is $20,474,000. That is possibly a record increase for the Department of Corrections. Uh, The last increase of that magnitude was in 2012 when they got something just over $19 Representative Worthen talks about the controversy concerning the staffing level and the reactions from Democrats and the union over the deaths at the Anamosa Penitentiary. You know, a lot of a lot of talk about Anamosa and what happened there, and unfortunately, you know, trying people trying to make political hay out of that tragedy. Um, Anamosa is approved for 311 positions. 288 are filled as of the last pay period, and 15 are in the process of hiring. Uh, Anamosa, by any stretch of the imagination, was not understaffed. Representative Ross Wilburn says the staffing at Anamosa isn't adequate, nor is this proposed level of funding. In my opinion, this funding, the $20 million, it seems on the surface like a lot. But this is an area that needs to be funded with security and safety in mind for the environment, Think of the environment and think of the special needs of the individuals who are working there and the importance of keeping it safe. Democratic Representative Kirsten Running Marquardt says she isn't placing any blame toward anyone in this committee as she speaks about funding for the corrections system. What happened in Anamosa is absolutely a serious tragedy. And the budgets that come out of this legislature, they have consequences throughout our state. And we know that staffing is definitely part of the tragedy, but we just don't know because we haven't seen the investigation yet to fully understand um, what magnitude that that played out. Democratic Representative Chris Hall says he welcomes the increase, but there are problems at the corrections facilities due to the level of funding from recent years. The investments that may be present in this and some of the highlights that the majority party is really trying to emphasize still don't go far enough to address the problem that has compounded and reached us over a period of many years. Uh, When you look at the Department of Corrections, my numbers may be a little bit different than the ones that Representative Worthen had, but they're right in the same range. Um, I had 260 open positions system-wide within the Department of Corrections. And what that means is you're talking about a department where in our correctional facilities, we are 10% over capacity with a 9% vacancy among staff. And that's a real issue. Democratic Representative Jennifer Confirst says the majority party doesn't understand what is needed in the prison system. This budget is a Band-Aid and does not address what we need to do. I am not making political hay out of the lives of the two officers who were lost. I am drawing attention to the fact that they were attacked because it was not safe where they worked, and that is our fault. We need to do better. Representative Gary Worthen responds to Representative Confirst. Representative Confirst, uh, you know, I, I, I'm a little bit taken aback that you would say that the committee was not aware of the needs. I've been, 
I have chaired this committee for 11 years. And uh, I don't think anybody would say that I have ever not asked for answers that I didn't know, not researched what I was being told. I know this budget upside down and backwards and think that uh, by and large the, uh, the administration of every one of these departments will, uh, will attest to the fact that I ask questions all the time and they are tough questions and it takes some time to get me answers, but they get me the answers and that's what I base this budget on. For me, this is a culmination. We have gotten this budget to a, the point where maybe it's not 100% optimal, but it's getting dang close. And this is a, a budget that I can put out there and comfortably say, I can go to sleep every night knowing that we've done the best that we can do. These budgets are all proposed from the House of Representatives. The education proposal still needs to go to the full appropriations committee, but the rest of them are now eligible for debate in the House. The Senate is in the process of drafting their versions of these department appropriations. The Senate has passed an amendment to the state constitution. The resolution would declare Iowa's constitution does not protect abortion rights. This controversial resolution is a response to a bill about abortion restriction that became law in a previous legislative session being struck down by the Iowa Supreme Court. The court's ruling stated Iowa's constitution protects abortion rights. The House also passed this resolution, but the Senate added an amendment, and for it to go forward, the House has to approve the measure again. Last year, a similar resolution passed in the Senate, but was not taken up by the House. Help for today's episode comes from Iowa Public Radio Statehouse reporter Katerina Sestarik. Also help comes from Grant Gerlach. Our many legislative stories are available on our website, iowapublicradio.org. Script editor for this episode is Iowa Public Radio News Director Michael Leland. Digital team support from Caitlin Troutman and Matt Searin. With the end of the session near, you will want to make sure you don't miss an episode, so make sure this is subscribed in your podcast feed. And if you can rate it and review it, that will help us out. I'm John Pimble. Under the Golden Dome is a production of Iowa Public Radio.